Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Welcome to a special Glass Onion spoilerific. I'm knocking my desk over there. Knives Out episode. So last month uh, around Thanksgiving, we gave you guys our spoiler-free review of Knives Out because Glass it came Onion. out in theaters. Or Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Yes. And now the movie has finally hit Netflix, so the whole world can watch it mm-hmm. and enjoy it as much as we did. Can't so, wait to watch it again. I know. So we're going to talk about all the spoilers, all the spoilers. So if you haven't watched it, don't listen to this because we're going to ruin the movie. Okay. All right. That's that was the only warning you get. So, you know, we talked about this movie last month. Like I said, we got all our general reactions. David and I gave it five stars. Garrett gave it four and a half stars. Very glowing reviews from all three of us. High praise. High praise. So we don't need to talk about that again. Let's just get straight into the nitty gritty. We guys think about what actually happens in Glass Onion. See, now I don't even know where to start. You know, right? Because here's what here's the thing. It's been all pent up, and now I don't even know where to start with it. Yeah. The movie, about halfway through the movie, is when you figure out what the mystery actually is. Yes. Yes. Which is interesting. You know, David, you alluded last time that. You might like that. You might not like that. Mm-hmm. It just depends on how you feel like they pull it all together. I right. liked it a lot. I did too. What I really loved and where the movie really, I was the moment where I was like, oh yeah, okay, I'm in, was when they all are invited for the first night of the murder mystery and Blanc immediately solves the whole murder mystery right there at the table, like 45 Before. minutes into the movie. And I was like, what? Yeah. I have no Before idea what's coming up next. Before, Before it's officially even started. And the there's a huge laugh when the arrow, like the contraption that, you know, that Miles Braun set up goes off and the blood spurts off. Just the audience just cracking up, dying laughing at the, everybody now, not re- at everybody at the table, not reacting because we all knew it was going to happen. Hilarious. <laughs> Rhino horn boner pills. Everything about these characters was so funny and stupid. Like, I... I was, there's a part of me that got a little nervous as it was going. I was like, people are going to think Ryan Johnson is like a pro men's rights group. People like aren't going to get the satire. They're going to think he's like pro men's rights and pro blackface and things like that because these characters are like saying things that everybody knows. They're like, maybe maybe that's not good to say. But yeah, they, they are, as the movie dubs them, a bunch of shitheads. And it's so funny to go from thinking that you're on their side to realizing, oh, no, you know, all these guys are jerks. Yeah. So, love that. And I love the surprise. I love the surprise because for the first part, Janelle Monet is one character and then she becomes a totally different character. And I don't mean that in her character, like she evolved. She's literally two different people. And she's, she did great. And like, you, like, like, like I said last time, when it first, when the reveal first sort of happens, I'm asking myself, oh, okay, this is the reveal. This is the twist. Do I like this? Because I'm like looking at it and at face value at first, I was like, oh, no. But then I went, you know, give it time. Give it time. Let's see how they handle this. But man, I fell in love with her. This Helena character fell in love with her. She was so, she was a lot like Anna Darmus' character. She did not, she was not, she didn't necessarily want to be involved in the, uh, being in the Watson role, if you will. But she was great, man. She was so, inter- like, she was entertaining. And seeing the movie from a different perspective, from her perspective, 
because they pretty much replay most of the first half of the movie, but from a new angle. It was great. I liked that a lot. And I have, I want to get to the other thing I like a lot, but I want to hear from Garrett about that twist or that reveal. Let's not call it a twist. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with everything. I think for me, once, once it was revealed that Janelle Monet was two different people, that's whenever I kind of started piecing things together and everything from there made sense to me. It wasn't a surprise. I've seen a lot of crime things where there's a lot of twin people and they're either in on it together or it's a surprise one way or another. And so that moment combined with everyone being surprised to see Benoit Blanc and Andy mm -hmm. and then piecing that together with the twin, I was, okay, well, I know at least who's guilty and then kind of the pieces that are going to fall together. I wasn't exactly sure what right. everything was going to happen, but everything that they did and everything that they revealed, it wasn't more of a, what? It was more of a, oh yeah, that makes sense. Okay. And okay. so yeah. that for me just kind of took away that, that small element that I got from the first one. But again, it didn't take away from the fun and enjoyment of the movie because that mystery is just, it's still fascinating to watch and see all of those characters really give their performance. And so for me, that, that piece of what was just, oh, yeah. Oh. You know, yeah, that's, I feel like it is more of a, oh, and not so much of a, whoa, you know, it's not a, it's not mind blowing. It's just like all of a sudden one new crucial bit of detail changes your entire understanding of what's happening. Discovering whose murder is actually being investigated. Um, I've, I love the idea that early on, they basically promise you this. They say, hey, everything is going to be right out in front of you. And we're still going to make you kind of doubt yourself a little bit. Because even, even my wife was like, you know, they make a point of saying that during the murder mystery game that they planned, that there would be false clues and there'd be false things to get, you know, the, to take you off track. And she was like, I was, she was like, I was pretty sure I knew who killed Andy, and they still gave me just enough reasons in a few places to doubt myself that when it became, that when the answer was real, I was like, oh, of course. well, of course. I just psyched myself out of it. I, and that's, a, I think, that's the challenge of a good mystery is if it can yeah. psych you out of the obvious answer. Because let's be honest, a lot of murder mysteries, the answer's obvious. Yeah. There's usually one person. Maybe, yeah. And I think maybe that's where it was, is I never questioned it. Once those couple of things were revealed, I was like 100% never doubted anything. No other logical connection was made other than that one at the end. And I was like, okay. So I'm happy with it. I just feel like I was maybe on the same page as Bill Montblanc. So I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yes. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. A lot of it still surprised me, but I am not very good at guessing mysteries. As they right. come along, I you just, go along for the ride. I feel like. I go You're along there for the to ride. Be surprised, I want to solve that MFR. I, <laughs> I want to um, know. The only thing I was certain of was that Edward Norton was a bad guy, and that was really just because he's a billionaire, and all billionaires are bad guys. So yes. that was not hard. But how he what what he was a bad guy mm -hmm. about was more of a surprise than what I expected. Right, I think because you know, first of all. You should just naturally assume Edward Norton is playing a bad guy. Right. Yeah. And the fact that he is this, you know, mysterious Elon Musk-esque billionaire with apparently unlimited funds mm -hmm. is never a good combination. You just know that's not a good dude. But I love that he's an idiot. Like, he's an idiot. He's like, well, so is that Elon was, Musk. To me, that was the funniest thing. Of, that was... That made it all so much more worth it in the end was 
not only was it like, oh yeah, it was exactly who you thought it probably was, but to for the for Benoit Blanc to peel back the layers of the onion to reveal and for him to go along the way to go, this is this isn't the work of a criminal mastermind. It's just dumb, you know, like yeah. it's, dumb. Just, it's really, just oh dumb. my god. When he did he, that was the the supercut of all of his and my wife loved this, but the fact that they used the word malapropisms, they put that in a movie and the supercut of all of his his malapropisms was so funny. And as it was happening, I was just like, oh my gosh. I was noticing stuff like that, but I was also just like, okay, go along with it. I didn't have any problem with him using reclamation wrong. I didn't have any problem with him saying, he's had one other one I can't remember now. Oh, the infraction point. I was like, that doesn't seem like the right word. But it was just like, okay, whatever. And I just move on with it. But the fact that that became like such a key part of illustrating how stupid he was. And then for him later to say circumspective evidence and everybody rolled their eyes was just like, I loved it. It was, I was like, he's, the eat the rich theme is still here. That was a yeah. that was big in Knives Out. One was you know rich people are not shitheads. The, rich people yeah. are not as smart as we like to make them out to be. No, they are, they're lucky. They're lucky. They're dumb. They are just as bad of a people as regular old folk. You know, there's nothing that there's they're not actually as there's no ex, there's not always an exceptionalness to rich people, and that is definitely a part of the theme here. I'm. Thinking yeah. back even actively right now about parts of the movie before the reveal happens and I'm appreciating it all over again because I'm thinking about how Benoit t- treated Miles like he was dumb the entire movie, even before we knew Miles was for sure a bad guy because we're under the impression that Blanc has somehow been invited to this party. There is nothing to indicate that that's not the case. And so he treats him you know, with a lot of graciousness and he's happy to be there, but he's also, your puzzles are not that good. Yeah, he you was know? like, there was some clever he puzzles. He talked about how he solved big box puzzles so quickly. Of course, later we find out he never solved it. It was just given to him. But at the time, we don't know that. He's just treating this guy like he's dumb from the start, but he's doing it with kindness. And I like that. Yes, exactly. He's. Um, you can see it rubs Miles the wrong way every time. Every time Benoit makes a, a little comment bit. about his puzzles, he's like, "Oh, because he solves it. He solves his mystery so fast." And he's—I don't remember who he got to write it. He got somebody else to write it for him. And he yeah, was his like, puzzle guy. Oh, she's great. Oh, she's great. Had nothing to say, but the best things about your murder mystery writer. I appreciate. I, that's where the, he didn't design the puzzle. No, that's where the rewatchability of these movies really comes in. Is at the end again, it, everything is laid out to you, right? And so then you go back and you see. It. And so when you watch it again, you'll see his stupid words being misused <laughs> all the damn time, and it will be even funnier because you'll now catch, the payoff. I and really this hope is one of those where, like, the problem with a lot of murder mysteries, and someone who's watched a lot with murder mysteries, is that once you know the ending, it can ruin. You know, yeah. a lot of dramatic pieces like Shutter Island. Shutter Island is a great movie with a twist ending that has, it's kind of a whodunit thing. That's not a movie I like to rewatch because I know how it is. After a long period of time and I forgot, I'll happily rewatch it. But this one, when you know the ending and you still want to watch it, that is a sign of a good handling and, of a murder mystery. And like I said, I don't know if I said this in, I don't know if I said this last time, but it doesn't hang the entire movie on a big reveal. Part of its reveal is early on so that when you get to the reveals about Miles, if that was the whole thing, it would feel underwhelming. But because there's all this layering and they give you time to process the twist. We talked about this a long time ago. We talked about identity, how the part of the twist came in early enough, but it came in too late for you to feel like it really earned it. 
There's a lot of movies that do that. They save the twist for the last five minutes of the movie, 10 minutes of the movie. And so the movie doesn't feel like it earns it sometimes. And this, it gave you plenty of time to process the change in dynamics, the fact that we're actually investigating Cassandra's murder and not Duke's murder. And it works. And I feel like it'll work on replay. What I really hope is that there are more mistakes and malapropisms by Miles that they didn't include in the supercut because it'll make rewatching it more fun if because he included a lot of them. The fact that he said that they were in the Ionian Sea instead of the Aegean Sea, that was hilarious to me. When he said, well, you know, enjoy the Ionian Sea, and I was like, oh, you don't hear Ionian Sea very much. And then later he goes, that is not the Ionian Sea. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's the Aegean Sea. It's hilarious. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I and love... What else was going to make it work is the characters themselves are so entertaining. Yeah, okay, yeah, I want to talk about them. I did love... Nearly every character. And I left wanting to know more about nearly all of them. And I think that is a strong sign of how good the writing is in this one. I, yeah, Dave Batista's Joe Rogan-esque red pill Twitch <laughs> streamer was hysterical. He's so good at, he's a very funny man, that Dave Batista. He's sneaky yes. funny. He's you sneaky don't funny. A big man. He's, you know, he's this like, man, uh, this character keeps a gun on him at all times. Even when he's swimming in the pool, he's got it attached to his member. <laughs> he's always got that gun. Oh, peace yeah, on the right. peace. He was very funny. I loved. Well, hang on. When she, when, when she says, when she says, because you got in trouble for hawking rhino horn boner pills, right? He goes, there's hardly any rhino horn in those pills. Yes. I honestly kind of liked his girlfriend, Whiskey, because we got to see second side of her where you're kind of led to believe that he's she's cheating on Dave on Red-Pilled Man with Miles. And she pseudo is, but she is doing it to help Dave but, career. Yeah, but she's she, also got a side of herself that she's looking she's out She's also for. got a p political aspirations of her own and all kinds of stuff going on there. So I like that. She's a great character, honestly. I yeah. think she is she was subtly... Good. But very well written character that has a lot of pieces, and she's still like looking out for herself very I as a liked it. as opposed to the other characters in the movie. Almost every yes. other character in the movie, every character in this movie, you get the surface, and then you discover, oh, there is not a lot underneath the surface. Whiskey's yeah. the opposite, where you look at her and you go, oh, there is not a lot here, and then you find out, oh, you know what? She's actually really smart, and she's working this situation for herself. Yeah, she's actually got a lot going on beneath the surface. Whereas everybody else is, everybody else, like, their inhibitions are right there on the forefront. I also love the beginning of this movie where they introduce all of the characters because I think the puzzle box that they are solving at the beginning in order, and then they kind of flash through and you get a chance to meet them and see them. I think that was handled really well. And honestly, it was really fast. You get a sense for the characters. You see what they're about. You understand how they're connected. What their and strengths then you move are. on. And then you yeah. move on with the story. And it was a great way to interact and be just really well done. Yes. And let's not leave off Jessica Jessica Henwick in there too, because she's kind of doing the work for Birdie on her side of that puzzle box thing. I did love that from the beginning, this does not necessarily feel like the exact same movie as Knives Out. It felt very different. And like that, that them all over the telephone talking about this puzzle box and undoing the puzzle, that's totally different than what we had in Knives Out, which is which unfolded much like a lot slower at the beginning. They did it through this inner, you know, like this police interview that they kept interconnecting everybody together. And that's how they kind of gave you a lot of character information. This did the same thing in a totally different way. I love it. Well, and also think about how we were led to believe this was a much different movie, only for it to in some ways not be so different. You know, for the first half of the movie, we think that 
Blanc has been invited to a party and has fallen into a situation, mm. only to be later revealed that, no, he was hired as a detective the whole time, mm. yeah. but that the way that story was told made it different enough to where it felt fresh, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly, and that's, it's a big credit to Ryan Johnson, who wrote and directed, to... It's a big challenge, I think, to write any mystery story, to write one good mystery story. And it was a, I thought, you know, it's a very tall task to then write another one with the same character in a new setting, right? Because it's, there's been a lot of detective stories done. How do you come up with something original? How do you come up with something that doesn't feel like something that's already been done before? And I think he did a really interesting job. I think he did a good job of making this feel very different from a lot of movies I've seen before, but also sticking within the general confines of the murder mystery. And even this movie itself gets a little meta with that, with the idea of like, when you break a convention, people are like, ooh, that's interesting. You broke a convention. We like that. But they don't want you to completely break the system, right? That whole speech, I was like, is this commentary on him making movies? Is this commentary on how everybody talks about Ryan Johnson's whole thing is subverting tropes? And maybe it isn't. We'll see. But... David, one of the things you and I agreed on was uh, we felt like Leslie Odom Jr. was like the one character overall that didn't really get to do much. And I would agree mm-hmm. with that. I also think that outside of being fun and funny, that Jessica Henwick was unnecessary. I don't think there was much of a point to her yeah. character. I think, and I think that the time that may have been wasted in that particular character, give more lit to Leslie Odom to do or shine or something, because I do feel like he was yeah. really underserved. I think he was burdened by the fact that he was a smart and capable person. The reason Jessica Henwick's character is there is to provide some level of reason sure. for Kate Hudson's character, Birdie, because she's just a complete space. She just yeah. has no sense of morality or intelligence or anything. So you, they needed somebody there to balance her out, right? Jessica does a good job in that. Leslie Odom's character didn't need that. He was smart. He was intelligent. He was very capable. He was probably one of the only people that could see through what Miles is doing and was like, well, I know what he's doing is wrong, but I don't really have the way, I don't have any way to fight it. But he didn't have like, his thing was that he was smart and that he was the one who was actually doing a lot of the tech development for Miles's company. But unlike the others, he didn't really have like an identifiable thing about him. Whereas, you know, with Dave Patisa, his men's rights, with, men, with Kate Hudson, she was this really vapid supermodel who spoke her mind. And then with Kate, with Catherine Hahn, she was the governor who was like above being in any kind of trouble. She had to be very, you know, she had to be very careful with what all she was doing. But I just kind of felt like he didn't really have like his thing. He didn't have his special thing that he needed to protect or watch out for other than his personal reputation. And so I think that they could have done a little bit more there. I really thought that if he was the one who remained, who if he was the only one who stayed on Miles' side, even through everything, like if he was like a loyalist to Miles and the only one who was defending him, that could have been his thing. You know, if there was one person who, even without the money, would still be on Miles' side, it's this guy. They could have done that or something. But yeah, I, it's not to say he's bad in it. I think Leslie Odom does a pretty great job. Got one of the best beards I've seen in a while. Oh yeah, he does fine with what he's given. He just wasn't given a lot. Exactly. And that really is the core of it. And maybe that stuff got cut. Who knows? Maybe there yeah. was more. You can find it on Netflix if they give us special features. Oh man, what if they? What if it's an? Ex- what if the Netflix version's extended? It could be. Josh, you're, you're muted. There, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I was going to let y'all talk about Leslie Adam. What do you think about that, Josh? About an extended version on Netflix? I would love that because that would 
inside i mean i'm gonna watch it again when it comes out but that would make me even more excited to watch it again when it comes out if there were additional scenes or what if they do it like where it's clue where there's a theater version but also a netflix version and then you can get them both on netflix but like netflix when it releases is completely not completely different but somebody else did it i love the idea of all this fun stuff give me alternate endings give me a director commentary give me david anything you brought up you talking makes me think i see a world where in a different movie leslie odom jr could have been the loyalist and the one who done it? It'd I honestly, twist. On I honestly, for a brief moment, I thought, oh, they were going to reveal that it was Miles, and his character's name was. It wasn't Leslie. It was something. I can't remember. Toussaint was his last name. I just looked at it on the Wikipedia, but I thought they were going to reveal that it was both of them because he kept saying, "But she could trust Miles. He would never do something in her home." But that's because why? It wasn't just Miles. It was both of them. He did the. He put the poison in the drink, even though it was Miles's plan. But then that wasn't the reveal so i was so then i went oh anyway we got to talk about the fact that benoit blanc is terrible at mystery games he was bad at among us he's bad he hates clue because he says it's a it's a silly game he's he hates crosswords and all those other types of those things that's hilarious no it is that was very funny i love that aspect and i loved i wanted to talk about this cameo portion anyway i thought it was so funny to see benoit in the bathtub playing among us online over zoom with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Natasha Lyonne, Stephen Sondheim, and Angela Lansbury. Fantastic yeah. selection of cameos. Yes, R.I.P. to her and Sondheim. I think yeah. it's their last. I think it's a their last posthumous role for both of them, probably. But just the I love that they were able to get them. That's beautiful. I that and what I've been trying to figure out because I haven't googled it yet is like I'm not totally sure where Natasha Lyonne fits in because the other three all have mystery relation. I believe Kareem has written some mystery novels. And obviously, Sondheim and Angela Lansbury go without saying. But I'm yeah, not sure about Natasha Leone. I don't know how she fits in, but I, I loved it anyway. I loved it too, because at first I was like, that Natasha Leone. Yeah. What about like, Russian Doll? Is that kind of mystery esque? I, I was wondering if that was it, but it doesn't feel like it. But maybe, yeah. I don't know. Maybe the Netflix tie in. And then obviously, maybe, well, Angela Lansbury, Murder She Wrote, you know. That's hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, what a. When they announced that, they put out like a couple months at, like after Angela Lansbury died. They put out, a, somebody put out like an article that like, hey, they're going to, she's going to appear and Stephen Sondheim both going to posthumously appear in Knives Out and Glass Onion. And I was like, at first I was like, when would they would have, when would they have recorded those? And what roles could they have in that movie? Because they both died, like Sondheim died like Sometime long time, not that long ago, but after the movies, just after the movie started production, I thought. So they've been, they had those on reserve for a while. That was pretty funny. And, you know, in conjunction, we hear him and then we see him later, Hugh Grant, as Benoit Blanc's significant other. I don't know if they're married or not, but significant other, which was pretty funny. I honestly did not expect that. I had heard that Benoit Blanc was gay, but I had not heard who, uh, as Schmidt from New Girl would say, his Sigoth was. No, also... that surprised me too. And I loved it because, I mean, I don't know if Hugh Grant is... I don't know. I like Hugh Grant. I like it. What? There was another one. Uh, Ethan Hawke shows up. <laughs> Ethan Hawke was as the Irishman. Man. Yeah. comes out of nowhere. His weird COVID gun. Never <laughs> addressed again. <laughs> Which was a great joke. And I love that because once... You're fine now. It's they, fine. The pandemic is pretty heavily highlighted in the beginning. CNN is always on in the background. They all show up with masks. Kate Hudson's mask full of holes was hilarious. Her Gucci mask. And then, yeah, Ethan Hawke just mysteriously gets out of a car, never takes off his glasses, 
and shoots them all in the back of the throat with a weird medicine gun. And then they're like, you're fine. <laughs> down. Don't bring it up again. That's so um, funny. It wasn't needed. It was, you just move. Is that, was and that then, yeah, no, co- no COVID ever again. You know, now the pandemic's still a big part of it though, because Miles gets the real Mona Lisa on, on loan from the Louvre because they have nowhere to put it because of the pandemic. So it's still very much a key part of the story is the fact that we went through a pandemic and there would be some reason that the Mona Lisa would need to be moved. And Hilarious. that was another of my favorite aspects of the movie I wanted to talk about. So perfect transition. What I'm going to call Chekhov's Mona Lisa. <laughs> They yeah. showed it so much, and they made such a attempt to show us how the security system works that I mm. knew that painting had to get destroyed. And when it finally did, I was very satisfied. Yeah. Bird, Mona Lisa. Bird. Yeah. So very rarely do you want to see a classic painting like that. Right, right, right. But it is just his audacity that makes you root for it. It's and a- her, Janelle Monet's line at the end about how, you know, you will get your wish. You always wanted to be mentioned in the same sentence as the Mona Lisa. Ah, uh, uh. It's another Watch good chef's for kiss. It's another good for her ending, like when I was out had. It's another like in the movie. That's where the applause came in, Josh. Yes. You my house, my coffee, my rules. When she's walking away. Yeah, but the, the breaking came... of the glass, the shattering of the glass, all of that was just such a nice. It was a good moment. It felt good. Just I want to shatter that glass. Yeah. yeah, it looked like fun. It, it did like... look like fun. Some some other cameos I want to throw in here too is Yo Yo Ma, the cellist, makes an appearance early in the movie. He helps them with the music clue in the box. Oh, I don't recognize Yo Yo Ma on face value, but oh. I when I was looking at the credits later, probably my favorite. Oh, Serena Williams makes a brief appearance, which was very shocking at first when she moved. I was like, oh, it's like a moving picture. Oh no, it's her. And then throughout the movie, we hear a clock chime, and it just goes. Dong, and it's a human being saying dong. And Edward Norton refers to it as the hourly dong. And that is Joseph Gordon Levitt. And <laughs> Ryan Johnson is determined to put Joseph Gordon Levitt in all of his movies ever since his first film where they actually worked together. And they were also, they also did Looper together. But he appears in Knives Out One as a cop on the phone. He appears in The Last Jedi as a stormtrooper. He's just going to be in all of, and will he ever have a starring role again? We don't I know. Hope. He was in all those. I love that. Yeah, what? Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a great actor. There's some indie movies. I would really love to see him in a Knives Out movie, but maybe this is cool. all. Maybe this is as good as we'll get. You um, know, David, also, you mentioned, or one of you two mentioned. I think I don't remember if it was this one or the spoiler-free. You should listen to them both, though. You mentioned a rival detective, and I think that's the next step for a Knives Out movie. Honestly, yeah. I think I would like to see that. I think I trust Ryan Johnson to be able to develop a dynamic between two rival detectives, and I think that could be fun. That could be a lot yeah, of fun. Right. The only other cameos, I, these are more so name drops I want to mention, is Jared Leto's Kabuchin and Jeremy Renner's Hot Sauce. Which, Jeremy Renner's Hot Sauce starring role. That has to be the biggest applause Jeremy Renner has ever gotten in a theater I was sitting it's, in. And it, I'm talking, I'm including Avengers movies in that. Jer- yeah, Jeremy Renner's face pops up. His face. Everybody in the crowd applauded. Yeah, and they really and do talk sauce. about Jared Leto's com- hard kombucha a lot. Yeah, which surely is not real, but is it just that's Jared Leto's hard kombucha? Yes, I love all the ways, all the extreme ways that they show the just shameless excess of celebrity and wealth. Like this, this man Miles literally has everything. He has Serena Williams on the clock. He has these special foods from celebrities. 
He's got the Mona Lisa in his living room. It's absurd. It yeah. is absurd. You know, every How celebrity's got a second got. line. You know, Colin Hanks has his Hanks critiques. You know, we somebody's got... been listening to Conan O'Brien. <laughs> he said that, and it's real, and it made me laugh so much. But you know, <laughs> everybody's got that going on. So, like, why not toss those in the movie? It was yeah. so funny. Yeah, it was. It, yeah, yeah. It's just so fun because they are such a different set of people than the first one. The first one yeah. is your. I don't want to say typical, but a dysfunctional family who is right. fighting for power and money as their mm-hmm. patriarch has died. And this mm-hmm. one is so very different, but still yeah. at the heart, a murder but mystery. It still definitely feels like the same thing. They're the same. It feels uh, the similar. Same, the same, you know, it works so well. And I love them both together. Like I said, they sit equally in my head. Like it's just a perfect line. There's no dip and no, there's no dip or no rise. It's perfect together. I would love to watch them back to back. Netflix, December 23rd. I'll tell you what, Knives Out, the original one on Netflix. That Is it a, not? That's yep. something disappointing I discovered recently. So unless get they, a chance to. It's everybody's they, greedy. They I take them the off before the sequel so that you have to pay for it. Yeah, rude. Weird. Not as if Netflix would get money for it. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I liked it a lot. Loved it even. And I can't wait to see it again. Every aspect of this movie I, I love. I don't have, I don't think I have anything else. Do we have anything else? No, I, I mentioned this last time, but I do want to say that a movie that influenced this movie was a movie called The Last Sheila, written by Stephen Sondheim, who's in the movie. So I want to check that movie out if I can, because it sounds like a cool whodunit. Anyway, yeah. that's yeah, about all fun. else I got. That's yeah. all else I'm going to go find some of this hot sauce. I know, right? I hope Jeremy Renner, well, you know, Jeremy Renner made an app once, and it has been famously lampooned to death, <laughs> because why would he have an app? But the Jeremy Renner app did exist. Look it up. It's fun. Wow. He, he, it was to connect with his fans, but as it turns out, there's not really a market for that. Sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> Who knows? There might be now. There might, oh, there be. might be now. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our spoiler-filled Knives Out Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery episode. I would say go watch it, but surely you watched it if you listened to us this whole time. So I'll say go watch it again. That's <laughs> it's uh, You know, none of us have got to see it a second time yet, but I feel like it's going to be rewarding a second time as well. So Without question, no doubt there. Grateful to live in a world with Knives Out. Bring on the third one. Bring yeah. on the third one. Bring on the third one. I'm what ready. are we going to call the third one? Well, you know, I don't know because I was so surprised by the title of this one that he might shake it up again. He probably will. He yeah, because to my recollection, there's no mention of a glass onion in the original, so. No. No. A completely unique idea. Okay, this is one more thing. Ryan said he's trying to come up with a title. He said he wanted, he loved the idea of a mystery in plain sight. And so he thought glass in plain sight. So he just went through his, he went through his music library and he just searched glass. And the first thing that came up was the Beatles glass onion. And he went, that's it, glass onion. And it's perfect. And the movie tells you 18 times how perfect of it is as a metaphor, something that appears to have layers, but in fact is just right in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, the title works out well. I want to call it The Other Shoe. That's my third. third You really want that other shoe? I don't know why. It's just something I came up with one time. Well, we will find out soon enough, I'm sure. So, yes, go watch Glass Onion again. Go watch Knives Out again. Go watch whatever you're watching and let us know. We would love to hear about what you're watching if you find us on social media. All the apps. Follow us at So Many Sequels or So Many Sequels Pod. And check out our Patreon as well. Patreon.com slash So Many Sequels. That's the best place. To talk with us because you'll get Discord access if you sign up. So go do that. And uh, we will see you very soon with more movie reviews. Bye.